You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. If you have not done so already, we would encourage you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. Uh, we make an attempt to, to produce new content each and every week and release that on Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so by becoming a, a, a subscriber, you'll be able to download those episodes directly to your mobile device or wherever you may be listening from, and you'll get those on a routine basis. You can take us with, you, uh, with us on the go. Maybe you're driving to work. Maybe you're going uh, to the gym to, to get a workout in, or maybe you're just uh, sitting uh, at, at your house during your quiet time and using us to, to help uh, guide your study. So we just encourage you to, to do that, uh, to dis- to subscribe and download today. Also would ask you, if you have not done so already, um, we need your help overcoming the big tech algorithms. And so anytime possible, if you could like and share episodes um, you can comment, you can rate and review on the different platforms that you're listening to. Um, every time you do that, that helps push um, our podcast a little bit higher and search engines and, and just uh, being able to to find our podcast. Dad, I heard um, uh, this week that there are about 3 million, I think they said now, uh, podcasts um, out and about. That's that oh, shows. Man, it's just a lot. And, and there's some 50 million episodes, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, that are out there. And so uh, we're a very, very small fish uh, right. in a very large sea. And and so we just need some help getting the word out um, so that we can have more people who are uh, coming into a uh, understanding of who Jesus Christ is and hopefully uh, gaining a hunger uh, to study God's Word. And that's that's our goal here. So mm-hmm. if you could help us out there, we would greatly appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, Dad, uh, we're going to pick up where we left off uh, in our study through Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we did miss a week last week, and I do want to say apologize for that. We try our very best, uh, as I said in the lead-in here, to produce new content each, each and every week. But sometimes um, there are just so many things going on that we don't have time uh, to actually record and produce the episode. And uh, last week was one of those weeks where um, a schedule was just cut in a line and we were not able to do it. So we apologize for missing there. We hope that you'll stick with us. Maybe that gives you a, an extra week there to go back and listen to some old content. Uh, we've got uh, 60 some odd episodes out there now. And so if you're a new listener, maybe go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes and those weeks where we don't have brand new content. But we'll do our best to continue putting out um, new mm-hmm. uh, information each week um, as best we can. And so Uh, Again, we're going to be picking up with Hebrews chapter 11. For the last uh, several weeks, we've been studying through a series entitled By Faith, and uh, we've uh, titled that because Hebrews chapter 11 is oftentimes referred to as Faith's Hall of Fame or the the Hall of Faith. And we've been looking at the lives of individuals uh, who were listed there. The the writer of Hebrews uh, made specific reference to individuals uh, throughout the Bible and uh, their lives that were uh, denoted by a life of faith. And so there's uh, definitely application and, and ways for us to learn from looking at those lives. And so we're going to look at our next person that's a member of the Hall of Faith um, for this episode, and that is going to be Isaac. And so we're going to look at the life of Isaac. Now, Isaac was one of the great patriarchs of Israel. Uh, he was that long-awaited son of Abraham, and he was also the father of Jacob. Now, when compared to the father of nations, and the man who wrestled with God, Isaac can easily be overlooked. 
many Bible commentators like to highlight that Isaac was just an ordinary man. He, he was not much to speak of. In fact, even though Isaac lived the longest life of all the patriarchs, less time is devoted to him and his life and the account of record in Genesis in the Bible. But let's see what the writer of Hebrews has to say about him. I'd encourage you to turn with us. Uh, we're going to be Hebrews chapter 11, and our text for today is just one single verse. is verse 20, and let's see what the writer of Hebrews has to say. It says, by faith, and again, there's our, our episode title or our series title, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, while Isaac may not have called down a fire from heaven or parted the Red Sea, he loved God and he believed in the promises that God had made to, to his father Abraham and ultimately to him, and he faithfully passed the torch of faith on to the next generation. But being just an ordinary man who pleased God, Isaac is someone who we can all relate to because he's like you and me. He's an ordinary guy. He had some mistakes along the way, but ultimately he finished strong in his faith and he passed on the vision of what God had given to his family, to his sons, uh, that ultimately would see uh, the next iteration of that to come about. And so as we look at uh, Isaac's life today, we're going to look at his life divided into three parts. And uh, we're going to start by looking at Isaac's adolescence. The major happening in Isaac's adolescence occurred when he was about the age of 16. Now, when that is when God commanded that Abraham sacrificed him. Now, for reference, you can find that account over in Genesis chapter 22, and we covered that in detail in our last episode. So if you haven't seen that, go back and check that out. But there on the Mount of Moriah, as Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord told him not to do anything to harm the boy. And then over there in the thicket was a ram caught by his horns. God had made a way, and Isaac's life was spared. You know, Dad, as I was studying and, and kind of preparing my thoughts for what we we're going to be talking about on this episode, I thought about um, this story. And again, we talked about it in detail last time, but there was a few points that we didn't hit last time, and I want to run these by you see what you think. So mm-hmm. I saw three things that were significant about this happening um, as it pertains to, to Isaac. The first thing I saw was Isaac's obedience. Um, as I said in the lead-in, we believe that Isaac was probably about 16 years of age. Right. Um, he was not a small, helpless child when this occurred. And, you know, it's interesting if you look at many times, maybe say like a children's Bible um, or, or or some of the, the Christian cartoons, oftentimes you'll see the story portrayed and, and Isaac's shown to be this little tiny boy. Right. Um, and in reality, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. The Bible said that Isaac was actually carrying wood for the sacrifice. So he was strong enough and big enough to be carrying um, and helping out with with the load. So we know he had to be you know older and, and mm-hmm. larger. And he understood that something was missing from the supplies for the sacrifice. Remember, he asked uh, Abraham, he said, you know, we've got wood, we've got fire, but where's the lamb? And so he was old enough to understand the appropriate uh, rituals that are required for sacrificing to God. And so, you know, certainly um, he wouldn't have had the strength of a grown man, but at 16, he probably had enough strength that he could have fought back. Mm -hmm. And if nothing else, he probably had the speed that he could run away. But the Bible doesn't record any struggle or resistance from Isaac. And I just see that as, as obedience. He was obedient mm-hmm. all the way unto death. And, you know, I have to imagine that as uh, the Bible says that Abraham was binding Isaac, and, uh, you know, Isaac had to be wondering, 
how's this going to work? What's mm-hmm. going to happen? And we know from our scripture last time, Dad, that we looked at is Abraham had reason that even if he went through with the sacrifice and killed Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. Right. And I have to think, the Bible doesn't tell us, but you, you can just see it. You know, Isaac sitting here and he's being bound with these ropes and he's asking his dad, he's like, dad, how, what, what's, what's going to happen? How's this going to work? And I just wonder if Abraham explained to him, you know, son, God, I've learned throughout my life that God makes a way and he shows up every time he says he's going to. Right. And I've learned also that I don't need to take things into my own hand. I've gotten in trouble with that before Mm -hmm. and trying to take over for what God said he was going to do. And so I'm going to be obedient and I know God's going to take care of it and he'll raise you from the dead. Mm-hmm. And and I just can see that conversation happening, and and uh, you know Abraham gets all the credit for the faith in this happening, but I believe Isaac displayed great faith and trust as well, right? Because again, he he didn't fight back, he didn't run away, um, he willingly, uh, seemingly allowed himself to be put up there on the altar to be sacrificed. You know, when I think about Abraham and Isaac, I think about the fact that. God told Abraham repeatedly, every little bit he was telling Abraham, the, this, this land's yours. Your seed's going to bless the earth. Yep. You're going to have descendants like the stars in the sky. I mean, uh, God doesn't have to tell you anything but one time. Mm-hmm. But he told Abraham many times. And so, yes, this was a test for Abraham, not so that God would know Abraham's heart and his his intentions, but uh, it was something for Abraham. He really believed. And I, I, I think that perhaps just like when you were a boy, I'd sit down and tell you the stories in the Bible. And don't you know that there had to be, even though we don't read it in the scriptures, but there had to be between father and son many, many a time that he probably told Isaac, now listen, uh, you are the son that God told us that we were going to have. Yeah. You are the promised son. You're going to inherit these blessings. God has told me that. You're going to inherit these blessings. So I think that if anything, yes, I feel like that Isaac was probably scared, uh, but he was also uh, probably thinking, well, God's going to do something to work this out. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he is accredited as being in the hall of faith. That's right. He had to have faith, too. That's right. I, so I think it's an amazing act of faith on his part. Mm-hmm. Many times, again, that story, we look at it and say, wow, look at the faith of Abraham to, to uh, get ready to sacrifice his son. But when you think about, you know, the age of Isaac and, and all the things we talked about here, uh, Isaac demonstrated some faith as well to be willingly just kind of bound up and and there and his you know Abraham has a a, a knife um, you know rare back ready to to slay him and right then's where the angel steps in and says no don't don't hurt him and then that ram's over there in the thicket I just it's an amazing story and it's amazing faith both on the part of Abraham but I think we also need to make sure uh, that we note that there was faith there on the part of Isaac yeah I may mean, think about it. We know that Isaac was only born to Abraham when Abraham was a hundred years old. Yeah. He's an old man. Yeah. We're talking about a, a young man, sixteen years old. Um, he could have resisted, he could have ran, but no way Isaac could have no way that Abraham could have caught him. That's right. You know. So he had faith to be willing to be bound and to be put on an altar. That's exactly right. And and you know what? He's an example to us because uh, the Bible tells us to take up our cross. And follow Jesus. The cross was the cross that Jesus died on. When I when I'm preaching, when we have the Bethlehem walk, you know, something we do at Christmas time, I explain to people that that was like a crude altar. Yeah. That 
you know, the sacrifices were nailed to the altars back during the time, you know, when they were offered in the temple. Jesus was nailed to the cross. And so, you know, we are to take our cross. We are we are to place ourselves on the altar. Isaac's an example to us because he put himself on the altar. He was willing to give it all for God. That's exactly right. So I see Isaac's obedience, and again, we've seen throughout this series that oftentimes faith leads to obedience, and I feel like that's at play here. The second thing I thought about, Dad, is um, Isaac's mountaintop lesson. Now, oftentimes it's said that the greatest lessons of faith are learned in the valleys of life. Mm -hmm. However, for Isaac, the exact opposite is true. Mm -hmm. He learned the greatest lesson of faith on top of a mountain. Yeah. And he was up there on top of this mountain, and he was getting ready to be sacrificed, and then God came through and provided a way that he could live uh, with this ram being caught over there in the thicket. And I was thinking about it, you know, that moment and that experience that Isaac had, uh, he had to carry that with him throughout his life, right? Mm -hmm. And and it had to just boost his faith so much more. And I, I like to look at it this way, Dad. Uh, as I was growing up, you used to tell me um, all the time about how you've seen God work. Mm-hmm. And it's great to hear someone talk about it and to hear stories and you think, wow, that's great. But it's a different thing when you experience it yourself. Right, right. And so Abraham had experienced God's faithfulness, and he had seen God work, and he had seen God moved. He even talked to God, right? We talked about that when we we talked about Abraham in our last episode. But Isaac, Isaac up until this point, we don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but had he ever really experienced the faithfulness of God? It's Mm -hmm. hard to say that that he had or he hadn't. He obviously, as we talked about, you know, he had heard it from his father. Mm -hmm. His father told him, said, son... God, boy, he he works, he moves, he does it all the time. I've seen mm-hmm. him do it over and over again. Don't get in God's way. Let God do what he's supposed to do because mm-hmm. his way is better than our way. I can just see him telling him all these things. But as a young teenager, Isaac probably didn't quite understand it or didn't understand right. the significance of it. But when he saw it happen and he saw it happen to him, I just think that that mountaintop experience helped uh, him persevere in faith to the end of his life. Mm-hmm. That's the the thing where in Hebrews it says that he passed on, uh, you know, the the blessing. We're going to talk about the specific blessing, but he he didn't pass on just a blessing. He passed on this promise uh, mm-hmm. from Abraham ultimately to Isaac and then to his sons about. God is working. He's moving. He's going to use our family. He's going mm-hmm. to use our bloodline mm-hmm. to make a great nation and ultimately to bring glory. You know, and and uh, it's just an amazing thing. I think that mountaintop experience helped him right. in that regard. I do. And then the third thing I see here, Dad, and and I, I know I've heard you talk about this before, is the foreshadowing of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's a lot of similarities, um, and people can say, well, those are just coincidences. But uh, I believe that the Bible is is uh, in a divinely inspired word, and I think everything that happened is there for a reason. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see uh, these threads of 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 kind of foreshadowing of Christ, and this is one of them. You know, you see the only Son, right? The mm-hmm. only Son's walking up a mountain carrying wood that's going to be used for a sacrifice. Same can be said of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you just see uh, a willing sacrifice, him willingly laying down his life. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Um, there's just so much foreshadowing there. And that's got to be pretty amazing that uh, Isaac was the one that God would use to foreshadow right. uh, Christ mm-hmm. and, and the Scripture. And that that's pretty significant there. Mm-hmm. He may be an ordinary guy, but not many people can say, hey, this that happened to me was a foreshadowing of what was to come in the future. That's exactly and that right. was Jesus Christ coming to to pay the penalty of sin for the world. Mm-hmm. 
So those are three significant things that I, that I see happening here. Uh, in terms of uh, Isaac's adolescence life, we, we really don't know much more. That's the main occurrence that is recorded. And then there's a long gap in the record of Isaac's life. And uh, we don't really pick up the story until he's about 40 years old, which brings us to Isaac's adulthood. Now, the Bible records two major happenings uh, to Isaac in his adulthood. And the first one is that Isaac becomes a husband. Now, in Genesis chapter 24, shortly following the death of Isaac's mother, Sarah, Abraham uh, set out to locate a wife for Isaac. Now, Abraham uh, didn't want uh, him to marry a local Canaanite woman. Obviously, God had already told Abraham uh, that not to let Isaac marry a pagan, and so he wanted to have him marry someone uh, that would be uh, in, in right standing. And so Abraham sent a servant to travel about 400 miles to the land of his brother, and, uh, you know, the story here is pretty amazing. Again, if you're in your Bible, you can look over to, to chapter 24, and I'll just kind of uh, paraphrase it here. But Abraham comes to his servant. He says, I want you to go to um, the, this faraway land to where my brother lives and my brother's people, mm-hmm. and I want you to find a bride for Isaac. And so uh, this servant loads up uh, a kind of a small caravan. He's got all of the food and stuff that he needs. Think about it, a 400-mile journey. Right. Uh, this would be a significant journey uh, at that time with camel or donkey or whatever they would be riding on at the time. And and so he takes off and he travels. And as he gets to the land where he's supposed to go, he comes to the the well, uh, the city well. And the, the servant just kind of sitting there and he's thinking to himself, my word, I've got myself into a mess here. How am I supposed to find a bride mm-hmm. uh, for my master's son. Like mm-hmm. th- it seems almost impossible. Um, this would be considered maybe one of those needle in a haystack type searches. And so the the servant uh, being uh, Abraham's servant, obviously he knew who God was. And he says, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to ask God to help mm-hmm. and ask God to, to work and to provide in this situation. So he, he prays to God and he says, uh, Lord, help me find uh, the correct bride for my master's son. And he, as he was sitting at this well, he says, I tell you what, I'm going to ask a lady who comes to the well to say, draw me some water, but not only for me, but also for my camel here. And the woman who does that, let that be uh, the right person. And wouldn't you know, just shortly after he says that, here comes this beautiful lady to the well. And he says, ma'am, do you mind drawing some water for me and also some for my camel? And this sweet young lady says, oh, sure, I'll be glad to. And she draws water and, and gives it. And the the servant, he's just getting excited. And he's like, okay, she's, she's kind of passed the first test. Mm-hmm. And as he's drinking and he's giving his camel water, he begins to inquire about who she is and, and who are her people. And wouldn't you know that she would be relatives um, to, to Abraham. She was part of the family of mm-hmm. uh, Abraham's brother. And so at this point, the servant is just head over heels excited. He's found someone that kind of fits the qualifications. And uh, he goes back to meet the family of this young lady and and finds out that she is single and that she hasn't been um, you know, betrothed in marriage or anything like that or accounted to anyone. And ultimately, she agrees to come back uh, the 400-mile journey to meet a guy that she's never met before, never seen, and ultimately to become his wife. It's a pretty amazing story, wouldn't you say, Dan? That's exactly right, Matt. You know, in in looking at this story that you've uh, you've told, 
it, it brings to mind some things uh, that we need to keep in mind if we want to find God's will for our life. I want you to think about this servant that went out on this mission to find the, the right wife for his master's son. And he did not want to fail. He did not mm-hmm. want to fail. He wanted, you know, it'd probably be trouble for him if he'd, he'd failed the master. That's right. He did not want to fail. We, like that servant, we should not want to fail God. Now, in trying to find God's will, here's here's three principles. Number one, you've got to obey God's word. Obey God's word. You know, Abraham advancing in years as you pointed out, Matt, he was concerned with finding a, a wife for Isaac. Abraham not wanting Isaac to marry a pagan, as you pointed out, Matt, is really consistent with 2 Corinthians 6.14, which says, Do not be unequally yoked together with non-believers. When determining if, determining if something is God's will for our lives, the first thing that we must always do is ask, Does, does it agree with the Bible? God will never lead us to do anything that violates his inspired word. And because Isaac could not marry a Canaanite, Abraham, as you know, as we've pointed out, sent his trusted servant uh, to find a wife from among his people. Well, in finding God's will, we must first obey God's word. And second, we must pray for guidance, you pointed out that Abraham's servant, you know, he traveled a long time and and uh, he prayed that God would lead him essentially to the right wife. And that's what we have to do. We have to we have to pray and ask God to guide us, just like He asked the God to guide him in finding a wife for his master son. And then we've got to investigate. That's certainly what the servant did. You know, circumstances and appearances can often lead us astray. Often, according to Genesis 24, 16, Rebecca was a very beautiful woman, but we should look at more than appearances. And later, the servant in investigation would learn that she was a virgin. Bingo. That's good. He also found out that she was the daughter of Abraham's brother. Bingo. She was not a pagan. Investigation should also include counsel from other believers who know the people or who've had similar circumstances because people and things are not what they always appear to be. And so let's always remember these principles for trying to to be in God's will. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, the other thing about um, this uh, marriage or uh, Isaac becoming a husband is that, again, we see obedience here. Uh, because the Bible tells us that the servant brought back uh, Rebecca, um, and I think Isaac was working there in the field, and uh, she saw him from afar off and said, "Who is that?" And he said, "That's my master's uh, son." And and uh, they uh, met each other, and uh, Isaac loved her and ultimately married her. Now he could have said, "You know what? I don't I don't want to do this. I want to go find someone that's over here locally." But again, he was obedient uh, to what God wanted. And that was for him not to marry locally, but to marry someone that was a part of the family. And uh, he followed through with that. So again, I see it's uh, him showing faith and through obedience that he was following through with what he was supposed to do and following through with God's will Mm -hmm. um, in this situation. The other thing uh, that we see in in Isaac's adulthood is that he becomes a father. So uh, as we said, him and um, 
Rebecca, they are married. And then if we look over at uh, verse uh, 25, or sorry, chapter 25, verse 21, uh, we see a, a little uh, verse here that causes some interest, at least on my part. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now, where does that sound familiar before, Dad? Uh, so we know that Isaac's father and his mother, uh, they were in that same situation. You know, Sarah was unable to have children, so they were getting advanced in age. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, as we talked last time, uh, they decided that they were going to take things into their own hands, right? And right. They were going to try and, and make something happen for God. And I find it interesting that it seems like Isaac learned the lesson uh, and that he didn't try to take things into his own hand and say, you know what, I'm supposed to be uh, the seed and from mine, I'm supposed to produce and there's going to be a great nation. And this lady that I married, she she can't have a baby, so I need to go find someone else. That's right. He didn't do that. And instead, he went to God in prayer and he pleaded with God. He said, God, I know that you've made a promise. I know that you said that we are going to be uh, producing a great nation. But my wife here has not been able to have a baby. I need you to, to, to work and I need you to move. I need you to, to, to do it. You know, that's almost, you might say, showing more faith than his dad, Abraham. That's exactly right. But he learned from his dad's he, mistakes. He I want you to learn from my mistakes. Exactly I make many. I want you to learn that, from that, them. That is exactly right. He learned from his dad's mistakes. And um, as I was reading that today, that just stuck out to me there. Of uh, he, he obviously uh, knew what had happened with his father because he had kind of this half-brother uh, that was out there. And so um, he, he learned from the mistakes, and he decided that he wasn't going to do uh, as his father did and as his mother did and try to create the circumstances for God to work. He decided he was going to go to God and say, God, I need you to create the circumstances in order for you to work and for your will to be done. And ultimately, the Bible says that uh, Rebecca conceived and she gave birth to twin boys. And uh, the interesting thing, these twin boys, uh, they were different, very different. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bible says that that Esau, he was the older one. Uh, he was born first, and when he was born, uh, he was uh, covered in hair. He was a, a hairy man. Uh, and then uh, Jacob was born, and Jacob was born clutching uh, mm-hmm. Esau's heel. Mm-hmm. And even in the womb, uh, the, the two of them were kind of wrestling and fighting with each other uh, to the point where we see, I believe it's in verse uh, 22, it says, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went and inquired of the Lord. So she she prayed. She said, God, what's going on inside me? Mm-hmm. If, if this is a normal pregnancy, what's happening here? And the Lord said to her, you have two nations in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your, your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so that was a, a very a notable pronouncement that was made there because uh, the Lord was telling um, Rebecca right then and there that the the younger of the two sons would actually be the one that would uh, go forth and it would be from that bloodline uh, that the the promise would continue and that we'll, we'll talk about that more and as we have some other episodes coming on but uh, what was interesting is that was given there but these two they were at each other's throat all the time and I said they were very different so Esau the Bible tells us I like to say he was a man's man all right he was he was a big strapping guy he was a hunter. Uh, he would go out and he would hunt game and he would uh, kill and he would bring back food um, and he would grow crops and he would do all these things. And uh, Jacob, Jacob was different. Jacob, it said, he stayed near the tent. 
And he, he was more of a homebody. He was more of the one that maybe prepared the food and worked in the ha- in the house or the tent, where Esau was the one out there doing all the manly stuff. I think about Esau as the son that wears the camo, and Jacob's the one that wears Tommy Hilfiger. You know that's, that's right, yeah. So you, you had one, yeah. one that was a little bit cleaner cut and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe uh, n- n- not as, uh, as, as, as manly as, as the other. And so because of this divide in these two individuals and these two sons, um, unfortunately, some favoritism came into play. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us that, uh, that Isaac, actually, he was drawn to Esau. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure, you know, I don't have a, a son, but you know, I'm your son. And I know dad's out there when you, you have a boy and that boy's an all boy. He plays football. He likes to hunt. He likes to fish. Uh, it just makes you proud uh, I, when, when you, when you have right. that. I just want you to know you're my favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. I'm the only one. The only one. Um, and so that just makes makes him proud. And so I had to I have to feel that Isaac, you know, looked at Esau and, and all the things that Esau could do. He could go out and he could kill all this game and he could, uh, you know, probably chop down trees and he could build things with his hands and do all of this stuff. And he's like, that's my son. He can mm-hmm. do that. And whereas uh, Jacob, Jacob was maybe the one that was a, a little bit more emotionally intelligent. He was the one that was softer. He was the one that had a tender heart. And he would be the one that if someone was in need or needed to talk, he was going to sit down with them and be compassionate toward them. And uh, his mom was drawn to him. Mm-hmm. And so we have this kind of divide here, a family divide. And we're going to see that this divide actually plays out and causes issues as we get into Isaac's older age. That's right. Probably when Isaac was, say, 60 years of age or older, uh, his two sons, they were still kind of scrapping as to who was going to get uh, be the most important in the family. Here's an interesting story pertaining to the birthright. Uh, one day, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 25, starting verse 39, uh, now Jacob, he cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, verse 29, and he was weary, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of that red stew, for I'm, I'm weary, I'm tired. Uh, therefore, the name, uh, his name was called Edom. Uh, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. In other words, sell me your birthright for this stew. I'll give you some. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is a birthright to me? And then Jacob said, swear to me as this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob and Esau uh, gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And then he ate, drank, and arose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, Esau did a very, a very stupid thing. He sold his birthright. Esau, of the two twins, he was the oldest. He was born first. And the birthright goes to, you know, is pertaining to the oldest of the male children. Mm -hmm. And it's an honor given bestowing the head of a household status and the right to inherit his father's estate. The son with the birthright would receive a double portion of what was passed down from the father. And so Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. Think about it. For a meal. The price of a meal. And no wonder after he'd already sold his birthright, it was too late to get it back. He'd sold it. And so he despised his birthright. Now, not only did Jacob get the birthright from Esau because he got him to sell it to him. But uh, he also got the blessing, the chief and primary blessing that the father was to give. 
he got that too. And you you want to pick that up, Matt? Yeah, certainly. So as we get into to Isaac's older years, um, Isaac gets to the point where uh, his eyes are beginning to go. Uh, he's becoming almost blind. The Bible says that his his vision was dim. And, uh, you know, he, he was getting to that point where he began to think, I'm not so sure how many more years I have uh, on earth, and I need to begin to get things in order in terms of who's going to take over and who's going to to lead the family forward. And, and Dad, as you were talking about, that typically during that time was done through a blessing. And so um, Isaac, uh, knowing that his time was getting short and he felt like he was getting toward the end of his life, he calls his favorite son. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, his favorite son, that being Esau. And he says, Esau, I want you to go out into the wilderness. I want you to, to kill an animal and I want you to bring that animal back. And I want to make, you know, some fresh stew. Um, I imagined, uh, I don't know if they had white tailed deer out there, but I, I imagine he wanted some, some deer hash or something like that. Uh, Cause that's awesome food. And he says, go out and kill it and bring it in and let's, let's eat. And then I'm going to give a blessing uh, to you, your, your, your blessing. And so Esau says, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take off into the woods. And so he gathers his, his equipment and his stuff and he heads off into the hunt to find um, uh, this animal to bring back. While this conversation was happening though, Rebecca overheard uh, what was going on. And so she goes to her favorite son uh, who was Jacob and says, Hey, um, there's going to be a blessing that's going to be given to Esau I want you to go in and, and, and pretend to be Esau so that you can get that blessing. You know, Matt, when uh, you just said that, it, it just stuck in my mind. The Lord had already told Rebecca because, you know, the children were struggling in her womb. You read that a while yeah. ago. He had already reto- he'd already told Rebecca when the kids were born, he said, and the older shall serve the younger. So, you know, she knew that it was supposed to be that, Jacob, not only did he get the birthright, but he was going to get the blessing. It was supposed to be God had already foreordained it. That's right. And we know from the Scripture that uh, actually uh, Isaac knew that as well, because that that was shared with him um, in terms of what was going on. And so we have kind of two issues that's playing out here in in Isaac's latter part of the life. He actually was trying to circumvent uh, what God wanted to have happen. He was going to give his blessing, which would be uh, for for Esau to go and lead the family and to be uh, the primary heir. Uh, but God had already said, no, 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 the younger is going to uh, to lead and the older is going to serve the younger. And so he was kind of showing his stubbornness and, and saying, I want my favorite son to get it. At the same time, Rebecca, although she may have been trying to, to to fulfill things as God was saying it, she took it into her own hands, and she did it through deceit. And she says, hey, you're supposed to be the one, so I want you to go in there, and I want you to take the blessing. Now, mm-hmm. Jacob, Jacob's sitting here, and he's saying, you know what? We're two different people. Uh, he's big, strong, hairy guy. I'm, I'm smooth. I don't have a beard. I don't have hair on me. How are we going to pass this by? Mm-hmm. And so his mom says, listen to me. I want you to go out there. I want you to get uh, one of the, the finest goats. Bring it in. I'm going to make a stew from that goat, the kind of food that Abraham likes. I know what he likes because I've been cooking for him for all these years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make his favorite recipe. And uh, you're going to go in there, and he can't tell who you are because he can't see well. You're going to say you're Esau. He, and he says, well, what if he what if he, he feels me and he could tell? And she says, I want you to put on Esau's clothes, and I'm going to take some of that goat uh, skin, and I'm going to put it on your neck. So when he goes to feel you, that he would mm-hmm. feel 
hair, and he will think that he was uh, talking to Esau. And so this plot was was made, and it was carried out. Uh, Jacob did, as his mom said, he got the goat, she made the meal, he got Esau's clothes, uh, they, they got the meal ready to go and put hair on his neck, and he goes in mm-hmm. to see his father Isaac, and he says, uh, Father, and Isaac said, Who is it? And he says, This is your son Esau. And Isaac says, Come closer to me. And uh, Isaac's trying to understand, is this really Esau? And he he begins to feel his hands, and he said, well, your hands feel like my son Esau. And he, he reaches and he, he smells him. He says, you smell like the field. You smell like an outdoorsman. Yeah, that's how my son smells, that you mm-hmm. must be Esau. And he feels on his neck, and he feels that hair, and that's confirmation uh, that he's Esau. And, and, and all this time, Jacob is just going along with a lie, and he's saying, yes, I'm Esau, I'm your son. So they sit there, and they eat this meal, and after the meal, um, Isaac provides the blessing uh, that uh, he was to lead the family, he was to be the primary heir, and that through him there was going to be this continued promise uh, mm-hmm. to make a great nation, and that the, all the nations of the world would be blessed uh, through him. And and so uh, he he took that blessing, and he went away. And about that time, here comes Esau. He's dragging his deer through the door, and he says, Dad, I'm here. I got the deer. I'm getting ready to go clean it. I'm going to make uh, your meal, and, and we're going to sit down, and, and we're going to eat and have a blessing. And he goes, oh, my. Well, who, who, who are you? And he says, I'm Esau. I, I just came in with the deer. Uh, I've killed the deer. I'm here to, to, to cook and to clean. And he said, I'm sorry. I gave your, your blessing away. And Esau's response was he cried out, and he was anger, and he was bitter. And he said, that wasn't me. That must have been that old Jacob, my brother. And he's already stole my birthright. He said he stole it, but yeah. in, in all reality, he had already sold it to him. Right. He gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, isn't there a blessing for me? And uh, and, and Isaac said, you know what? I, I gave it to uh, I gave it to Jacob, and he said, and truly he would be blessed. I feel like in that moment, Dad, in the Scripture, and you can find that over in chapter 27, uh, where he's talking about uh, that blessing that was being given there. And um, he says, truly, he will be blessed. And I believe that right then in that moment, uh, it was kind of like a moment of clarity uh, for Isaac. And he was sitting there saying, you know what? God said that he was going to be the primary one. I tried to go against the grain and try to do things my own way. Um, but God's way came through. And ultimately, even though you could argue it was through deceit and all these twists and turns and as I was studying this dad, I was really conflicted because I'm like, oh, this seems so wrong. But ultimately what God wanted to happen ultimately happened. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's interesting that when uh, Jacob was in there, you know, trying to deceive his father, that uh, Isaac said, you know, this is the, the voice of my son Jacob. Yeah. But yet you you feel like my son Isaac. We We've got... People, we've had folks in the church that's got uh, twins or triplets. I remember one time we had a family had triplets, and I looked at those little old girls and I think, how in the world can they tell the difference? Mm. They look exactly alike, but that mama and that grandmama knew, you know, yeah. they could tell by their demeanor and by their voice, you know. That's right. But but he conceded, well, the feel outweighed the voice, but it was too late after he'd gave the blessing. 
uh, to his son Jacob. Uh, he couldn't take it back then. But Esau did get a secondary blessing. Now, in regard to the blessing, you know, I told you what the birthright was. That was uh, bestowing the head of the household status and the right to inherit the father's estate. Son with the birthright got a double portion of what was passed down. The blessing... Uh, the difference is the blessing included words of encouragement, details concerning his uh, the son's inheritance, and prophetic words concerning the future. And so that was very prized. And Isaac's blessing gave Jacob earthly bounty and authority over his brother. That's right. And you mentioned, Dad, the secondary blessing that was given to um, to Esau, and and that also found in, in chapter 27 over in verse uh, 39. It says, Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fattest of the earth and the dew of the heaven above. By your sword you shall live and shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break uh, his yoke from your neck. And so he was given this blessing. Again, it was a secondary blessing. Uh, but he was still given a blessing. And I, I really want us to draw back to our, our scripture text uh, where we started, which was Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 20. And again, I'll read that to you. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, Dad, I was trying to, to kind of wrestle in my mind. I'm like, you know what? There's just uh, how in the world did Isaac land here in the in the hall of faith? But as I thought about it more, it, it became clear to me that what we're seeing here is an ordinary man, a person just like you and me uh, who made some mistakes along the way. And uh, he tried to take some things into his own hand by trying to give uh, the blessing to his favorite son. But overall, his life was characterized by a life of faith. Uh, he showed faith there on that mountaintop. He showed faith uh, there in his marriage to Rebecca and being faithful to her uh, in, in the process of trying to have children uh, to, to carry out that promise, and then ultimately to, to pass on the belief in the promise to uh, his children. And I think sometimes, Dad, we undercount how uh, important it is to pass on from one generation to the next um, and that's what we see here happening here is that uh, Isaac, he did his best to teach his sons about the promise of God and how faithful God is and that there is something coming uh, and you just got to continue to believe and to trust and follow through on what God says and it'll come to fruition. And uh, that was that was why he was counted as being faithful is that he followed through and he continued to push that faith forward. That's right. And I think about uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. You know, that's going back from verse 20, which is our scripture text for this podcast, uh, to an earlier podcast. You know, Isaac is included in the word these, where it says, These all died in faith, uh, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hey, he continued to live in a tent his whole life. He moved his tent from one place to the other. He was looking forward to that heavenly city that whose uh, builder is God, you know. Mm -hmm. And he was looking forward to that heavenly city. And so he, he still embraced the promise that God gave Abraham and that God actually reminded him of during a point in a time in his life. And he never gave up on it. He didn't see it during his lifetime, but he had, that's what faith is. And I want to tell you something. There are a lot of folks out there today that you got kids that are not Christians. 
And, and you know, if you want your children uh, to be saved, you need to pray for them every day that God would, would awaken them, so to speak, uh, from their spiritual sleep and slumber, you know, their deadness, and wake them up and, and convict them and bring them into the family of God. It's not God's will that any uh, people should perish. So pray, but pray in faith. And you know what? Uh, even if they don't get saved and you're laying on your deathbed, die having faith that they'll be saved after you die. That's exactly right. Dad, and as you were talking and, and we were just kind of closing up here, one of the things that came to my mind is about that passing on of faith. And um, I, I can't remember which episode it was. It's been in one of our recent episodes. We made the statement that Christianity has always just been kind of one generation away uh, from kind of being uh, distorted and destroyed. If we don't really pass on from generation to generation sound doctrine and biblical truth, um, and we don't pass that on, and 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 it's so important uh, that we we do that. And I see that happening here with Isaac, as as he was uh, passing on something again, things not seen, things that were to come, and he passed that on from his father. He carried it through his life. He passed it on to his sons, and ultimately his sons were the ones that began to see some of the fruition uh, come about with uh, the, the family growing and expanding and ultimately what would become the tribes of Israel uh, coming about from their bloodline. And so it's just so important uh, how uh, that gets passed from generation to generation. The other thing I was thinking about is um, the importance that, that Isaac played in, in this whole role. He was kind of an intermediary. He was the middleman, right, going mm-hmm. from— a great uh, person in Abraham to what's going to be great happens through uh, his son Jacob and and on on down the line mm-hmm. um, into Judah and so forth and so on. Um, but it was him is that critical link of passing it on. I think about many of our, our listeners; they probably parents. Uh, being a parent is an important thing, and you've got kids in your house as you were talking about, Dad, about their salvation. But uh, you passing on faith and belief and teaching uh, to them, you don't know uh, mm-hmm. the kids in your house. You may have the, the next um, uh, evangelist. You may have the next preacher. You may have the next uh, world leader or in your your midst. And you really need to be putting in uh, everything you can to build up their faith and build up their belief so that once they move on, uh, they'll be able to continue that forward. And And I see that happening in Isaac. And the more I think about it, uh, that that was pretty grand of him to be able to, to keep his faith all that time and to pass it on to the next generation. When he really had very little to lay a hand on for proof, um, he, he still maintained his faith. As a pastor, I preach many a sermon before Matt pertaining to the Christian life being a race. And, you know, a race has got to start and a finish, and, and we're to focus on the finish line, you know, where Jesus is uh, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to run to Him, endure, be faithful, don't give up, don't quit. And so I truly believe that's the kind of race that the Christian life is supposed to be like. But, you know, something that you said uh, just uh, uh, caused me to think about this. Also, we need to think about the Christian life as being a relay type of race, hmm. you know, where you run. I remember when you were a boy, the state RA track meet, Royal Ambassador track meet, we had the relays. And I, I taught you boys, my brother's a, a track coach, and he gave me, you know, some batons. And we got out yep. there and we'd, we'd race and we'd hand those batons off so y'all would know how to pick up the get the baton from the person coming run up behind you and carry it on to the next person, you know. Well, you know, it's kind of like I, I'm carrying the baton. 
I'm your father, and I'm passing that baton of faith to you. Now, you've got a child. You're carrying that baton, and your goal is to pass that faith securely to her. And, folks, I'm talking to you as parents that's going to church and trying to live for the Lord. You know, uh, keep keep your kids in the church. Keep them in a daily Bible study. Teach them about Jesus. Do not drop the baton. Don't mm. drop it. Be be successful in passing that baton of faith to the next generation. Oh, that's good. That's real good, Dad. Well, I can't think of a better way to end it uh, than to just, like you did there, to encourage people uh, to run the race. Uh, and remember, it's a relay race and pass that faith on uh, to the next generation. We saw Isaac do that. And because of that, he was counted as being uh, faithful when he landed here in the Hall of Faith. And so I just encourage you to do that as well, uh, to pass on that faith uh, to uh, to those around you. And so, Dad, if you will, pray us out of here. Sure. Our Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you, our Heavenly Father, for loving us. Now, Lord, uh, we think about Isaac. Uh, he received uh, faith and encouragement from Abraham, and he passed it down to his sons. And, uh, Lord, uh, we know that uh, Jacob passed it on down to his children and so on. And, Lord, we don't want to be a break in the chain. As Christian parents, we want to pass the faith alone uh, to those that are our children and pass the faith alone, alone to other people, Lord, that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior too. Help us to be like Isaac and be faithful, Lord, to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.